0: Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this
1: ever happened to you? (laughs) Who will be the baby of the year?
0: Welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. Steven Yuen is making his third contribution to the show tonight. He's getting up there in Jesse Plemons territory. Today I saw a guy that looked like Jesse Plemons, and it made me so upset that uh, I just, it just made me upset. I don't It made know, You think about ending things. It made me think of the movie I'm thinking of ending things, in which I still have not watched since I watched it the original time.
1: It doesn't. You got Jesse P. Oh, parentheses, like uh, lemons, uh, TSD. Lemons. P. Pre- parentheses <laughs> lemons. TSD. This is not
2: worth. This isn't worth it. Yeah, it. No, it isn't
1: TSD, but lemons
0: STD. I no. saw Jesse like no. and wanted to stop for milkshakes today. I did not stop <laughs> for milkshakes, but instead, here we are reviewing Minari. We're gonna be going over the our reactions of the Golden Globes that were like two weeks ago, but it feels like a month ago. And then we're also going to be recapping the last two weeks of The Bachelor, even though nothing has really happened because Matt James uh, is very boring. I do have a couple of thoughts on The Bachelor, though, when we get there. But as of now, I'm with the regulars. We've got uh, Ben, and as his name is today, whatever fine. How are you, Ben? I'm doing all right.
2: I'm uh, just mourning the loss of the Cedar Falls boys basketball team. Went 21 and 0 all season, but lost in the semifinals against Johnston today. Sad.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah,
1: Alex? Uh, Penn State let me down and I'm devastated. So now Iowa will to play Wisconsin tomorrow. Go Hawks.
0: A whole lot of dudes down bad today, but my Simpson women's basketball team uh, is one win away from an undefeated season. Why do we all relate this to basketball?
1: <laughs> basketball. It's March, baby. This movie
0: podcast is. Ba- our moods are all based off of uh, basketball teams at three separate leagues today.
1: Does yes. Does a sport own a uh, a month as much as basketball owns March?
0: I wouldn't say so. Maybe uh,
1: uh the month that the World Cup happens. That
2: that doesn't even own it because most people don't wake up at nine a.m. to watch the games.
1: You'd be surprised if Team Team USA is in it, then people are paying attention to the World Cup. So we're
0: going to talk about basketball. Do you know who does like basketball? Our friends at Thrive Fantasy App, which is our presenting sponsor of the Turbo Team Podcast. Thrive Fantasy has all of your DFS and esports gambling wants. Speaking of esports, Simpson officially got an esports coach today. So. That is a sport that is on the up and coming. And if you want to get started gambling on it, you can do that through Thrive Fantasy. Be sure to use promo code AROUND at sign up and receive a deposit bonus of up to $50. For first time users, be sure to use promo code AROUND at sign up and Thrive will match any deposit up to $50. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Thrive Fantasy, for supporting the Turbo Team podcast. And while you're at it, go check out our friends over at Around the Corn at Around the Corn Pod on Twitter. Thrive f- sponsors both of us, and they're our friend and our kind of brother podcast. So if you want to hear about sports, as Alex said, March is absolutely owned by basketball. They're talking nothing but college hoops right now. So go check over their website, their Twitter account, and their podcast. They do some awesome work over there.
2: There are brothers in the... Um podcast fraternity that is Gamma,
1: Alpha, Sigma.
0: Sell us this pen around the corner. Uh,
1: in celebration of the Thrive Fantasy app sponsoring this podcast and the new Simpsons Esport team, I will be betting my entire life savings via the Thrive Fantasy app on the Simpsons esports teams. Um, please storm. don't let me down. Go <laughs> so
0: Today we watched uh, Minari. Minari is a film that came out in 2021. It's uh, the first PG-13 film we've watched in a while. A lot of Rated R stuff on this. So, uh, it's a Rated R podcast.
1: podcast. We don't even care, man. Kids, be 18 age. and up. Otherwise, don't listen.
0: <laughs> Our teenagers that haven't been here since the Soul Up episode, welcome back. I'm glad you're able to listen to this one. But it's a film directed by Lee Isaac Chung, starring Stephen Yuen, also known as Squeeze, but is playing a <laughs> character called Jacob in this movie. It's also starring Han Yi Ri playing Monica, Yoon Ya Chung playing Sunya, Alan S. Kim playing David, and then Chloe Lee playing June. The last one was disappointingly easy to say. But yeah, there's amongst others, there's a few other people in this movie, but uh, since it's a foreign film, it's not gonna be a lot of actors that we know very well. But Stephen Yuen is one of our favorite actors from I think You Should Leave and Sorry to Bother You. You win,
2: or is it Yun?
0: It's probably Yun. I don't know.
2: (laughs) We always, Uh, we always have Jake do all the casting and the names, even though statistically you're probably the worst one to pronounce all of them.
0: (laughs) I had a Tony Snell game. (laughs) (laughs) Snell, yeah, he had a he had a game winner today.
2: Hey, he put in the minutes, twenty eight of them.
0: (laughs) But Ben, do you want to take us through your little synopsis of this film?
2: Oh yeah, and you guys are in for a treat today because uh, a week ago when we originally watched this, I I typed up my own synopsis. First time in months. Yeah, Uh, shut up. Uh, Anyways, Minari follows the Yi family, immigrants from Korea who moved to Arkansas from California to farm Korean vegetables. Jacob, the dad, is hopeful for their new beginning and life away from the deteriorating work of sexing chicks that he has done for the past 10 years. His wife, Monica, is disappointed in the in this move and worries about their son, David's heart condition. His name is David. His name is in David's heart condition. Uh, <laughs> David is adventurous and resistant to his grandmother who moves in with him. Once familiar with his unconventional grandmother, she suffers a stroke in the night. In a trip to Oklahoma City, Jacob inadvertently shows Monica that he values the success of the farm more than the success of his family. The two argue, and Monica expresses she wants to go back to California with the kids, and the two agree to separate. While away, the grandmother accidentally starts a fire and burns down the barn with all of the vegetables inside. Jake and Monica run inside to attempt to save the produce, but instead save each other. The dazed grandmother wanders away as if to leave, but David runs to catch her, overcoming his heart condition in a way, and realizes that uh, his grandmother recognizes him after her stroke. Ah, uh, the two return home, and a time later, they make plans to dig a new well, implying that they will stay together on the farm.
1: Friend of the program, Isaac art condition. <laughs> intern, intern. Oh my god, an <laughs> Do you How
0: think that was out? actually funny? <laughs> <did he> no. <laughs> 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 we, we, we named him david heart condition he just had it, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even planned
2: <laughs> they just called it <laughs> uh dan and amy originally uh weren't planning on a second twin so when it came up they're like oh uh i don't know uh uh hard condition dyke HHC <laughs> <laughs> instead of hw it's hc
1: <laughs> this is my son HW playing View. I'm an oil so,
0: man. So I know that we're laughing a lot right now, but this movie wasn't like insanely funny. uh Yeah, it was actually very serious. <laughs> I hope
1: it wasn't funny.
0: It was very depressing and serious, but that was a. The funniest part was, was just David be
1: his grandma.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> in of her Make, making mountain water.
0: Alex, since Ben just gave his longest synopsis in the history of the Turbo Team podcast, he probably needs to take a drink of water. Do you want to take us through your initial thoughts of the film?
1: Um, no. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I'll be honest. I didn't really care for this movie. I didn't hate it. It was just like it told a story. Um, obviously there was a plot there. It just nothing about it stuck out to me. You no, know, I thought I thought Stephen Wynn was pretty good. Um, what was the wife's name? Um. Uh, Hanyere, I thought she was pretty good too. I thought the acting was fine. Um, actually, Alan S. Kim, the kid that plays David, uh, has a new uh role with um, I want to say like Chloe Grace Moretz or something like that. But he's got a new movie coming out. Um, which is, uh, is kind of interesting because uh, he was pretty good in this film. Uh, we talked about Jojo Rabbit. It's hard for kid actors to be good, and I thought um Alan S. Kim was really good in this as David. Um, even if he is fucking seven years old or whatever. But anyway, um, the movie I thought was—I don't, I don't want to say it's boring because I wasn't bored, but I just wasn't interested. You know, like I, it—I think this movie is going to get a lot of unfair crit- uh, comparisons to Parasite last year, just because they're both Korean foreign films up for Best Picture. Um, this movie and Parasite aren't the same at all. They're both dramas that kind of tackle class. Um, of Koreans, but, like, class structure, but, like, they do it in a completely different way, whereas in Parasite, like, there was a clear, like, malicious separation between the two. And here, it feels like the community really accepted um uh, the family for who they are. You know, there wasn't really a whole lot of racist things, which you'd think, being a, a middle-of-nowhere town in Arkansas, we would see a lot more of not a racist, you know, Comments or whatever, and the most we get is that child asking why David's face is so flat. Which you can just go off <laughs> to him being a kid, you know, not 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 knowing any better. But no, yeah. uh, but it just the movie. It's got a ninety-eight on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people liked it. it won best foreign film of the Globes. So a little preview for that, but. Just nothing about it stuck out to me as, like, oh, this is incredible, you know, compared to Nomad Land last week or two weeks ago now, where just every turn of that movie, I was amazed of the imagery, the, the acting, the story, the events that happened. Nothing in this really gave me that wow, except like the fire at the end, which that was the purpose of it, you know, if, if that didn't make you go, oh, oh my God, wow, then like. You just don't have a heart or whatever, but this movie just—I I don't know—it wasn't—it wasn't for me, I guess.
0: Yeah, you don't got a heart if you didn't if you didn't feel that fire burning on you too. I didn't know how else to phrase it. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I I don't agree, but I also don't disagree. I as far as comparisons to a movie like Parasite, I think they were tackling similar issues, but I think Parasite did it in a much more engaging way. I th- they were doing; they weren't
2: doing similar issues in the same. They were well, doing class structure among yeah. v-
0: very like broad.
2: It wasn't necessarily class structure in the sense of okay, it was it would, but it wasn't the focal point. It,
0: no, it wasn't focal point, but there were definitely some, there messages, different some messages about what it's like for um, Koreans making it in a in a class system. But that's besides the point. And I think this film was beautiful. It was stunning how awesome they, they were in what, Kentucky, right? Was that where they were? Arkansas. Arkansas. It was stunning how they found such beautiful land in Arkansas. When, whenever I've been in Arkansas, it's always just a pretty boring flat state. But I thought the place where they lived, just kind of out in that field with a lot of, like, is it called what, maygrass? Something like that. The, I have no idea. The long grass. I no idea. I should know it as I live in the country, but they they just found beautiful shots, beautiful angles, beautiful lighting for everything, so I thought that was really good. Ben and I talked about this last week after we watched it. I thought the performances, first from everyone were really good, but the performances from Steven Yeun and uh, Han Yi Ri were just incredible. I thought their chemistry was so good. And even though, like, this movie was a problem for me because I can't read. So I didn't really understand what was going on with the subtitles. Like, I, <laughs> I just, I don't know, I can't read. It's a problem. But I knew exactly what they were saying just through their facial expressions and chemistry. And I uh, i couldn't figure out how to turn subtitles on. So I just watched it clueless. And I told you to turn
1: subtitles on.
0: for a uh, For people who don't understand sarcasm, I watched this movie with subtitles on. And I understood the English that was going on. But that was me just making a point at even if you didn't have subtitles on, I think you still could have seen the clear chemistry between Jacob and Monica's character. So I thought that that was even though I kind of agree with Alex where I wasn't that engaged in the story. I was really engaged in their relationship and everything that came with it. So I thought that the direction there was really good. And then as Alex talked about Alan S. Kim as David was a really good kid actor. And I thought. For a movie that was so kind of grim and depressing, the comedic element that he added to it, I thought was a really good touch, and it wasn't too much, but it was also hilarious when he's like, "Yeah, we hate grandma. Grandma just sucks. Like, she's not a real grandma." Yeah, I I don't know. I thought that that was a good comedic element.
1: Um they They acted like a real married couple, like like if if I didn't know who the the two actors were and if this was a movie like I would, I would assume they were like a real married couple arguing about you know m- how tight money is you know it was, it was a very realistic performance by um by David yin and uh uh han Ye, or by Stephen yin and hanye Ri. so a very, very great convincing performance uh, I really enjoyed watching it um Ben, what you think?
2: Uh, yeah, but I really enjoyed this film. I thought that I don't know the acting was all excellent, and apparently, according to Google, it's Stephen Yoon instead of Stephen Yun or Stephen Yan or whatever. We've just we've just been calling him Squeeze for so long, so uh, I'm just here to set the record straight. His wife did eat the uh, seat. What? Oh no,
0: he had the sloppy mud pie. My bad.
2: Yeah, he had the sloppy mud pie uh but yeah um i thought that it was all shot very well like you said the way they emphasized the grass and just the dewy and sweaty nature of it like that scene where they were digging the well in the first place you kind of felt like you were there and the way that they shot it and the way that it was all set up and just the interaction between uh david and jacob was just very well done and very well realized and I disagree with Alex in the sense that um, he wasn't engaged or didn't really feel as, I don't know, on edge during the film. And I necessarily didn't feel on edge, but that wasn't a bad thing. I was very engaged. I wanted to see how they'd be able to make the farm flourish, how they'd be able to pull it off, if they'd be able to pull it off, or how anything and all of this would come together. Like I I honestly was worried about David the entire time because I didn't know where he would go. And I think there was an excellent scene where um, Jacob was having a difficult day at work and he wasn't fully involved with his work. And then David was uh, pulling a drawer out like on top out of a shelf and it like starts to drop and then it cuts to Jacob and he dropped like a tray of chicks. And I thought that was it was a very cool cut and very emphasizing the different. Um, painful times that they were in in that point of the film but I also was worried for David because I honestly thought that like he dropped a shelf on him and I don't know if it like landed on his head or where it was but I thought that they utilized the camera in very ingenious ways whenever it followed them around when they were an outsider in that specific scene and yeah I love some of the different ways they're I love the very realness of the film.
0: So I want to go back to the point you made about the scenes when they were digging the well, it made you feel like you were there because we've all been there on that like hot June day when we have to do yard work the entire day. And it was just like miserably hot out and you just hate your life. I thought that they did that in a very realistic, in a very, very realistic sense. And I thought uh, that was a good touch to make it relatable to people if even we haven't worked on a farm, we know the feeling of working outside for an entire day when we don't want to. And that's pretty comparable to what this family went through.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. I would argue that I know Steven was a yin. 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 yin? Cool. Uh, I know. I, I know. What would you say? We'll just call him Squeeze. Okay. I know Squeeze is supposed to be the main character in this. I would argue David is. Um. I, I felt him, the movie really centered around kind of him understanding the situation he's in and not really, you know, he grew up in America, essentially, he's from America, his parents and grandmother are from Korea, he he understands American way of life, he doesn't understand why his grandma can't cook, or why she wants to play this weird card game, you know, he doesn't understand that, because that's what he grew up with, he grew up with friends who, you know, the grandmas could cook, and you know make cookies and you know tend to do their every need and stuff and i thought it was really interesting watching david kind of learn yeah his grandma isn't a normal grandma but she's a normal korean grandma you know i feel like this movie really more centered around him and him finding his way of who he is and where he comes from you know and his relationship with his grandmother which grows as the show goes on or as the movie goes on until the very end when he begins to resent her again you know I, I thought that was more interesting than watching the whole dynamic between Jacob, Jacob and Monica. Monica. Yeah. I, Jacob and Monica, I felt was a good, you know, performance and a really interesting to watch, but I, I was more interested in Jacob's relationship with his grandma and how that began to, you know, grow and become more tight and then eventually fall apart after she had her stroke. You know, I thought that was kind of the part of the movie that I really, uh, was the main focus as opposed to the actual farm, you know? Yeah.
2: Did you guys have any thoughts about Paul and what his place was as a character?
0: It made me uncomfortable. He made you <laughs> uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I felt bad when they, they when they drove past him and those kids were like flipping him off and when he was like to- towing the cross across the town or whatever. Um, cause he meant well, he just was a little odd. I think, I think they said something happened to him. Like his,
2: well, he was in Korea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I don't it know. Was. What
2: else? there. I don't know what else there'd be.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, bet it, I bet it was a lot of war, um, had an effect on him, but his character was interesting. Um, definitely brought a weird religious view to this where it didn't feel out of place. I don't think it felt out of place. I just don't think I fully understood it. Um, But his character was interesting. It was definitely an interesting dynamic with the family, especially that scene where he came and ate dinner and, uh, like, uh, blessed the house or whatever, or he cleansed the house, and then, like, Jacob got mad at Monica for, like, letting him in the house, you know? Uh, So as much as he, like, pushed to kind of have this relationship with us, especially Jacob, you could definitely see Jacob was fighting back for some reason. I never fully understood it, other than he maybe just thought he was a weird guy, you know?
2: Well, I mean, he was off-putting for sure, but I think that dichotomy was supposed to be Jacob wanting to be self-sufficient in a way and not necessarily want to trust and just want to be pro- want to provide on his own. That might have been where the pushback was, or it just might have been because of the fanaticism of Paul and his religion. And I don't know if that was supposed to be a statement on faith and like believing in what you're doing and that things will work out. I don't know what that was supposed to mean maybe it was the hard work will pay off or different ways to interpret it but i thought that it was an interesting dynamic for them to include
1: uh that definitely is a way of almost like the korean way of life and the american way of life you know uh jacob you said he wanted to do the farming himself and uh and paul was like y- you can't do that here in america you know you, you won't be able to make any money you know, that's not how, it's not how farming works here. You need farm hands. You need people to help you out so you can grow, you know, it's hard to, this is hard to do by yourself. And I thought uh, there's one, that's one way to interpret it is it's kind of like Jacob pushing back of the American way of life. Cause he's so used to this Korean way of life. But you know, if you live, you know, when in Rome do as the Romans do, you know, so when in America, you got to farm like everyone else does, because I mean, we've, we've perfected this way of farming. Not perfected, but we have this way of farming that works. And if you're not going to do it, you're going to struggle to make ends meet, you know.
0: So I I want to talk about my favorite scene, and I think it was the scene where they went to church just because of, I think, the, related, the relatableness of the uncomfort that they had when the pastor said, and if there's any family here that has never... Step foot in the church. Would you please stand up? And I knew just like I felt the awkwardness for them. And I think I took that as uh, someone who lives in a small, primarily Caucasian town in the middle of Iowa. We tend to ostracize any people or any family of different ethnicity or background to kind of the point where it's uncomfortable. And I think that this was a way for me to look on it from the outside looking in to Because the pastor was very clearly like, oh, we've got a family that is not like the rest of us and they're here, so we should introduce ourselves. And I think they meant it in a kind, meaning way, but you could tell just like the discomfort and awkwardness on the face of the family when they had to stand up and get stared at by everyone. I think that that was a pretty, uh, for me at least, a pretty powerful way to see that. And I just thought everything at the church was very good. Seeing the kids make friends with other families, I thought was um, intriguing, but also having the their mom Monica shoot down kind of the potential friendships just because of how closed off they were and how family centered they were and how focused they were on just protecting their image and protecting their family. So I thought that that was all um, really well done, and that's that's what I really liked about the movie. I did enjoy the story about the farming and I did enjoy that story, but I thought just the down to earth kind of in a sense of wildlife. I thought that this movie was very comparable to that where uh, nobody's family is perfect. And I hate movies that make it seem like that. And this movie felt like there was no Hollywood involved. Like it was almost just a documentary of what the everyday struggle of a family is. And I thought that that was really creative and really well done. And it, I'd, I'd say it left a pretty big impact on me on top of the very good cinematography and acting, not even including just everything from a pure film standpoint.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that the discomfort would just emphasize necessarily the maybe you said ostracization that they felt or just more the isolation and out of place that they may have felt at that time. And they probably do feel as a first gen first a a family of first generation immigrants. And although they have been in the U S for a while, it's still a lot to reacclimate to, especially in a place like Arkansas, which they made a point to say, Hey, are there any Korean churches here? Like implying that, like, is there a Korean community here at all? And there isn't, and that's something new because they had been in Washington and in California before and assuming had some sort or some semblance of a community, but they don't have that here in Arkansas. They're quite literally isolated and forced to get into the dirt and make a living for themselves and make a life for themselves. And they do as hard as it is for them to acclimate and learn the way of life and just go on with the struggles of sort of reinventing yourself and trying to make it.
1: Yeah. Did you guys have any negatives? Um, I touched on them kind of in the beginning. It's not really anything that stuck out, stuck out to me a lot. It's just, I didn't really find this film super interesting. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't even, I, I didn't even think it dragged at times. I just, I, I was engaged the whole time it just didn't stick with me you know um i can't really put my finger on what it is it was just something about it just wasn't for me i guess i i don't know it's, it's hard for me to explain but i didn't really have any specific negatives that stuck out to me that i wanted to get a, uh get a, oh i have one the daughter was annoying um really yeah she was a snitch and she's like i'm going to tell mom <laughs> shut up fucking loser so grandma oh, likes the son better. Um, <laughs> yeah, the daughter was okay. annoying. So that's all I have. I guess I
2: didn't. I didn't have a problem with the daughter, but I guess so.
1: The daughter reminded uh, me of the
0: the girl from the hometown episode of The Bachelor that read out like the the super long
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: note. Just kind of yeah, fabulous. just a square. Yeah, just a total, <laughs> total Martin <laughs> Prince type. <laughs> Uh, so, um, for my negative, sorry, I catch you off, Ben. I would say mine is, especially when the grandma got there, I felt that it kept replaying the same tropes over and over, like five or six times, when they probably could have just done it twice and got the point across. Just trying to think of an example of it off the top of my head. I'm totally blanking. I I know what I was talking
2: about of just like the tropes of uh, not wanting to accept a new character, pretty much, and being uneasy and um, I don't know, acting down or getting down on them for no reason just because they're new. Yeah,
0: like if if there's one thing that did make this movie just a little bit as far as pacing odd, I thought it was kind of overplaying everything with the grandma when she got there. But that's just such a small nitpick that I clearly have been fuming about the last week because it was such a well thought out negative.
2: And it was something that you just had to get off. You were so aggressive and exploding about that.
0: Ben, did you have any negatives?
2: Uh I kind of went along with yours a little bit in a sense where, yeah, that kind of did fall into tropes. And I admit it did sort of lag or stagnate a bit in that second in that second act in that middle portion where they were sort of getting into familiarity. And that relationship between David and the grandma was slowly built over time. And honestly, it wasn't as much as engaging as the relationship between Jacob and um, Monica and Jacob and Paul and all of the rest of the characters. I was very interested in that, but I admit that that point was sort of stagnant towards me and it did pay off in the end. And they did have some very interesting points where they tackled traditional grandmas and like just, I don't know, familiar, familial preconceptions and loving someone for who they are and like keeping your own expectations out of the way, even for someone as young as like a six or seven year old. But yeah, it just was kind of slow at times, even though I understand why. So that was more just why I was kind of a nitpick.
0: Yeah, quit nitpicking, Ben. <laughs> uh, I don't really have any other thoughts about this movie. I think oh, no. I had. A- I had a couple. Uh, it's a movie that's been done a lot before. Yeah,
1: I, and, and, we're, 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 at the end, yeah.
0: of the day, it's one of those things where I just say like, "Yep, depressing and realistic," <laughs> and that there's just not much more I have to say about it.
1: Comparing comparing it to a movie where I said it's going to get a lot of comparisons where Riot really shouldn't, um, Parasite. Uh, I think.
2: I don't. Uh, what comparisons have there been?
1: I said it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot of comparisons from Parasite, which they shouldn't because they're two separate movies that don't interchange that at all, except they're both Korean and they both tackle class structure. I've never seen the comparisons, but okay. I, I have. They, when Oscar and, season comes around; it'll when, when, yeah. When Oscar season is, you'll you'll see them. But anyway, um, this was realistic and tackled class structure in a realistic way. But I think. The way Parasite was so exaggerated, I think it kind of got that point off better, you know, where you kind of get to see the extremes of it. And it, it, it really uh, puts that thought in your mind and gets its point across a lot better than this, where it's it's not uh, subtle, but it definitely is a lot more realistic and not over the top, you know. So.
2: Well, it okay i mean i guess in that comparison sense but once again those are these are way two different films
1: that's what i'm saying yeah i know there's a, yeah
2: i'm saying then like that comparison makes no sense and i don't know if you're saying it as like a negative or no it's not a, just a general version. statement
1: I'm, I'm it's a oh well, it is a negative because it's a criticism of the movie i guess
2: it's not wow. a criticism of the movie it's a criticism of like well it's my i don't know the, the audiences
1: movie my criticism of the movie I, I, that's like,
2: a criticism of the movie because you think it's compared to parasite for
1: no reason no what are you talking about but i just said why i think it's close to parasite yeah parasite does class structure in an over and a top way it tackles that's a, a very, that's like a thriller track. that's a thriller they're both dramas
2: This is like a family soft drama that's like a thriller where like 50 people thing. die
1: it tackles its class structure trying it's not the same things. thing what they're, they're, they're different shades I mean? of the
2: same thing minority is primarily family and shades of class structure in a sense of immigrants moving into an, an area that they are new to uh parasite is more specifically about just class structure in a sense of the lower class uh in contrast to the elites of that of societies of all societies
1: the so two families trying to make ends meet in different ways one's by farming one's by working for a rich family yeah but
2: they're different films
1: I know. And, and I, that's what I'm saying. They're going to be rightfully compared. They're unrightfully compared. These are two different films. And how is that a record. slack on minority? Right. two things that they have. Not because I'm lack, saying uh, it doesn't do it well. I, what it's trying to do is tell you class structure, and it doesn't do it well. Parasite does it well because it's so much dramatic. It gets the point across better.
2: Remove it from Parasite. I acknowledge it as a film
1: by itself. Okay. It doesn't do class structure well. It does. Okay, then say that. I did, and I was comparing it to parasite, which does do class class structure well. I, know. I don't know how you don't
0: understand this. I'll intervene.
1: You're all explaining intervene. it for no other reason. I just said don't why I was to, comparing. I know what
2: you're saying, but you didn't need to include parasite. That comparison has yes, no sense.
1: I have to give you an example of how you do it well. So?
0: All right, gents. Let's in so this conversation. <laughs> uh you wanted to do that. Too, if you're like, making to wrong, I can't tell you
1: you're doing it wrong and not show you how to do it right. You know, <laughs> if you're burning your chicken, I guess. Oh, you're burning your chicken. You're, I'm not gonna not teach you how to do it. What are you going you, on? About, Molly honestly, does it wrong. Parasite does it right.
2: You could have made this point in like 10 seconds.
1: Yes, I did. And then you're like, that's not, what are you talking about? That's stupid. (laughs) Because you had a dumb comparison that
2: didn't make any sense.
1: I just explained it like 14 (laughs) different ways. How do you not get it?
2: Then acknowledge that we disagree and leave it at that. All
0: right, you guys disagree. I say we get into the ratings before uh, we talk about Golden Globes and The Bachelor. Uh, (laughs) I'll give this film a 7.9 out of 10. I thought it uh left a pretty enough of an impact that I'd I'd watch it again and except for the fact that it's probably never gonna be on a single streaming service. I think that it is a
1: prime. You just gotta buy it. Well
0: that that's not yet. I it was an enjoyable film, or not enjoyable, an interesting film that made me think, that made me feel, and I thought that the performance by my boy Squeeze was really good and the performance by the girl that played Monica was also very good. I just couldn't remember her name, so I'm going to give it a seven point nine out of ten.
1: I'll give it a six point seven five. Um, that was okay. There's a lot of good performances. Films didn't do it for me.
2: Uh, I thought that it was very well done, and that I thought the point got well across, and I was interested and invested in the film while I was playing. But I'm not necessarily saying it's something that I want to come back to. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. What do you guys think the rewatchability on this film is?
2: not super high that would I, be. It, it would be sort of high like in a month or two down the road where you can like watch it with your parents or something but like it's not something i'm itching to watch again
1: like i think Plan- nomadland two weeks ago was a film that like i told my parents to watch it i was like watch this film it's incredible this movie it, it's done well everything's done well but like like jake said it's nothing i haven't seen before you know like you can watch movies that kind of tell a, uh, tell it a little better and you have a little more fun in watching, you know. I, I don't think oh, the yeah. watchability on this is incredibly high. I would agree.
2: Back to back to my rating and uh, quick bubbles that I forgot to mention: music slaps, um, the kids using paper airplanes to throw at the parents was kind of funny at the beginning, oh, that's just and corny. the shot with the sheds and the house with lightning in the background. But I thought that shot was really nice, and it was in a during a sort of clash um time, a clashing time during the story and I thought that that was a beautiful image and it contrasted well with or went along well with the story and where it was at. Uh those are just small things that I wanted to mention and give praise for, but once again for the reasons that I had said and the fact that it isn't really a fault of its own, but just the fact that it's not something that I entirely want to come back to. Um I'll be giving it a seven out of ten.
0: So I give it the highest I don't think that really reflects how much we liked it but whatever I, I don't really know how to feel about this movie but we'll uh we'll have to discuss that at a later time until then we're going to talk about the golden globes and alex has the winners talked about we're not going to go in depth on every single win but we're just going to talk about some stuff that i guess caught our eye and uh, uh
1: it's the it's the beta Awards show yeah, it's definitely, the alpha is the Oscars, definitely. This is the Incel Award show. Uh, no, that's, do, the, that's the Webbys. The Webbys. Um, yeah, so out. I figured I could just run down some of the winners and then uh, see if you guys agree um, uh, with the other nominees and stuff. So anyway, the uh, first one that pops up so when you go to the Golden Globe's website is Best Picture Drama of the Year it goes to Nomadland. Others up was The Father, Mank. Promising Young Women, and Trial of the Chicago 7. I would agree with this. Um, I think Nomadland Land's far and away my favorite film of the year, and I think it's the best film of the year. So I, I would agree with this. Um, uh, you, what do you guys think? Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, I could totally see that. Personally, uh, I mean, I still love Trial of the Chicago 7, and I'm surprised that not as many people are as hot on that, or at least don't talk about it as much as I figured they would.
1: I, I heard someone say, t- I, I was listening to someone talk about it and they said they thought it was very over the top. Like they're trying to too much to make it like based or woke or whatever, you know? So,
2: I mean, that. maybe, but I'm also just kind of a sucker for the Sorkin script and just everyone is yeah.
1: one of the best writers out there. You know, um, next one, uh, it's a best picture musical cl- comedy, uh, winner was, um, Borat uh, others nominated was prom. I haven't heard of that. <laughs> yeah, music. music, which was Sia's film, which people hated. Um, Palm Springs, which I would have picked just because I really liked that movie, and uh, Ben's favorite, Hamilton. So, uh,
2: I actually hate the prom more than Hamilton. I can't I believe that's seen, what's the prom about. Um, uh, I actually haven't seen anything about it. Um, down on their luck, Broadway stars shake up a small Indiana town as they rally behind a teen who wants to go to the prom with her girlfriend. Uh, I don't know; it's just the fact that James Corden is the second build. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <exactly>. So yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, next, best actress, motion picture drama winner, Andra Day, uh, for a role as in uh, "United States versus uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday." I haven't even heard of no,
0: that. No, neither have I. But I noticed. Was- the fact that Francis McDormand didn't win is... Yep. That's... It was... Uh, uh, it was Vi-
1: Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Francis McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulgan for a Promising Young Woman. Yeah, I think Francis McDormand should have won that. Haven't well, seen you also, you also haven't seen this,
2: though. That's... Fine. I know. I,
1: I just... Yeah, you're right, but I just find it hard to top that performance, but I'll have to watch the movie. I've heard reviews that,
2: like, the movie isn't amazing, but... Andre Day's performance as Billie Holiday is amazing. And I've been having to read all about Billie Holiday for a class that I'm taking, and um, from the situation that they talk about, I could definitely see that being a surefire performance
1: if she does it well. The situation, like from Jersey Shore? Yeah, the situation. So, next up, best male actor in a a motion picture drama. Um, Winner, Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I haven't seen that, Jake. I know you have. Um, I saw it too. Ben has, I'll get you guys' thoughts after I go through the, so the other nominees, Riz Ahmed, Son of Metal, we reviewed that, I think it was like episode 30, I don't know, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Tahar Rahim for The Modernian, never heard of that. Um, I personally would have chose Riz Ahmed, I think Riz Ahmed had my favorite male performance of the year, Um, what would you guys have to say about this? Um, Chadwick, Chadwick killed it. Yeah, really? Chadwick
0: was incredible. So this movie was based off of a play, so there was obviously going to be a lot of monologues, uh, a lot of focus on the individual acting, and Chadwick was very, very good in this. And I know that we reviewed The Five Bloods, and that was kind of like the emotional, oh, wow, Chadwick's gone role. I thought he was good in it, but he had an exceptional performance in this film. It was... yeah well worth. It. He is not not hitting uh, Ahmed at all either.
2: For that for that same class I also read the play and watched the film uh from Rennie's Black Bottom and definitely uh Chadwick absolutely killed it. He brought the character of Levy so much. He brought him to life really uh from the play that I had read and just to the film and yeah, it was an, an amazing performance and you can't really explain it without seeing it. Yeah. So I'll, have to, I I'll have to check motivated. it out.
1: Because as of right now, I know Monterey is going to get nominated for a lot. Riz Ahmed's probably my favorite performance of the year. But if Chadwick Boseman's that good, I'll definitely have to check it out. Um, next one Best Act- best Actress, Motion Picture, Musical Comedy. I know none of us have. Well, it's Roseman Pike won for I Care a Lot. I haven't even heard of that. Other nominees Kate Hudson Music, Maria Baklava, uh, Borat, Michelle Pfeiffer, French Exit, and Anna Taylor, Joy, Joy Emma. I feel like none of us have any opinions on this one, so I'll just go to the next one. Um, Best Actor, Motion Picture, Musical Comedy. Winner, Sacha Baron Cohen for Borat. Um, Other nominees, James Gordon for The Prom, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton, uh, Andy Samberg for Palm Springs, and uh, Dev Patel for The Personal History of David Copperfield. Um, I only saw Palm Springs. I really liked it. Actually, I would give this to Andy Samberg because... I know this is the only movie I've seen out of these, but that performance of Andy Sandberg I thought was like really good, um, both from a comedic standpoint. Also, he like it was dramatic in a way, too. I thought Andy Sandberg was really good in Palm Springs, so I'd, I'd have to give it to him. Um, I because I know for a fact James Gordon and lin Manuel Miranda weren't better than Andy Sandberg. Um, because I'm not gonna watch Hamilton or the prom, I just know it. Um, so a, I'd have to give it to him.
0: Sacha Baron Conan was very good in this movie, and I would argue that he was better. As far as like an actor, than he was in the original Borat, even if I liked the original Borat more.
1: I think uh, it's just, well, Borat's like an entire character, so he has to become a whole different person. Yeah. So I guess I could see why he would win it. Um, I haven't seen the new Borat, but if that's the case, then yeah, it's probably deserving. Uh, best uh, supporting actress motion picture Jodie Foster for The Mediterranean, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elgi, Olivia Coleman for The father Amanda Seyfried for Mank and Helena Zengel for News of the World. Helena
0: Zengel was really good in in, in News of the World, like
1: insanely good. Uh, more than more than Amanda I thought I yeah, I thought Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried was really good in Mank. But uh I've heard News of the World is good. and I have to check that out if Jake speaks so highly of it.
2: I'll just let's just okay, just list the ones that we've actually seen
1: because you're well, going to I want to give a a, I want to give every nominee. This one is definitely All of the nominees will
2: listen to this. I think right?
1: I think I liked Nomad Land. I think that was the right winner. This one was definitely the right winner. Best supporting actor in a motion picture. The winner, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Other nominees, Sasha Baron Cohen, Trial of the Chicago Seven, Jared Leto, The Little Things. <laughs> this picture um, is so funny for this. <laughs> Jared Leto, The Little Things. <laughs> Bill Murray on the Rocks. Leslie Odom Jr., One night Man, Miami. I have no arguments about this at all. This is clearly the winner. Daniel Kaluuya was incredible in Judas and the Black Messiah. One of my favorite performances of the year, probably second behind Riz Ahmed. I haven't seen Mal Rainey's, but probably my second favorite behind Riz Ahmed's and Sound of Metal. So I, I have no complaints about this. Great, great, very deserving.
0: Yeah, I've seen all of these, yeah. but Bill Murray. But I have absolutely no qualms with Daniel Kaluuya getting this one. He, he I heard on the
1: rocks was very um underwhelming, but watch it for yourself. D- develop your own opinion. Um. Next one, best director most in picture, uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomad Land. I would I would I would agree. Um that just, others
0: just kind of, that just kind of goes hand in hand with Best Picture as it is, so
1: I would well I think the the way Nomad Land was uh set up, where it's a lot of people that aren't actors, you know, these are real people, and she still put them next to Francis McDormand and they were just as incredible, you know. So I thought I thought it was a really good job by Chloe's out putting her vision together and creating a good film. Um, you you probably are right to an extent, Jake, but uh, that would be my um, rebuttal. Uh, other nominees: Emerald Fennell, Promising Young Women, David Fincher, Mank, Regina King, One Night in Miami, and Aaron Sorkin, Trial of the Chicago Seven. Ben, do you have any
2: thoughts? Uh, Sorkin, that's easy.
1: I, I think he definitely has an argument for it. Yep. Next one, actually, Aaron Sorkin, best screenplay, motion picture. Aaron Sorkin for *Chicago 7*. Yep. Emerald Fennell for *Promising Young Women*. Jack Fincher for *Mank*. David Fincher's father. Uh, Christopher Hampton and uh, Florian Zeller for *The Father*. And Chloe Zhao for *Nomadland*. I think uh, I would agree with this definitely. I mean,
2: um, uh, the, I meant the screenplay for *Mank* was pretty good. I liked *Mank*.
1: I meant I hate father. So I. Right.
0: Okay, I'm gonna to need to watch that in the upcoming weeks because I, when Oscar nominations come out, I feel like The Father is gonna be at a lot of them, and I don't want, I, will. I don't want to speak on behalf of any of these without seeing that one first because I've heard that it's very, very good.
1: Um, next one, I don't think any of us will have any qualms about either Best Picture, Animated, Soul. I thought Soul was incredible for even a kids film. Yeah, that's you know, the I one thought,
0: I saw out of all.
1: Um, other nominees: The Croods, Onward, Over the Moon, uh, Wolf Walkers. Who cares? Seoul is the best animated picture of the year. Best picture foreign language, uh, Minari. Um, This was kind of controversial. Um, We can tackle this as much as you guys want, but I wouldn't consider Minari a foreign film, even if they do speak in Korean. You You saw that tweet too? Uh, Yeah, I saw the tweet, but... I mean, even without the tweet, I think I would have the same argument. I mean, after watching the movie, especially it takes place in Arkansas, like they're talking in English, unless they're talking to each other, you know, like this isn't a foreign film, you know, uh, compared to some of these other ones where, you know, the entire like Parasite, for example, that's a foreign film. It takes place in a foreign country, fully in a different foreign language. So, uh, no other people were no other the other nominees another round laloria life ahead uh and two of us so that uh, i want to i want
2: to see another round
1: of awards
2: no i want to see <laughs> i want to see the, a foreign film another round that's oh really yeah
1: good. that yeah that uh it's supposed to be pretty good um yeah so uh that's about it i actually there's a lot of the
0: there's a lot of tv stuff but i yeah. Honestly, I've watched, like, one episode of The Queen's Gambit, but I didn't really watch that many TV shows that, like, came out this year.
1: Yeah. Um. Actually, I want to tackle one more. Best score, motion picture, winner, Soul. Um. Others nominated The Midnight Sky, uh, Tenant, News of the World, and Mank. Um, I, I think I would agree with this. I haven't seen any of the other ones, but actually, Mank is okay, but I thought Tenet Souls would. Really? Uh, Christopher Nolan's films usually do, you know? Um, but yeah, soul, I think definitely is deserving of that movie about music should have good music. So I, I would have no qualms about that without seeing the other ones as of now. I wouldn't have any yeah. qualms if my wife ate the receipt, would you? No qualms.
2: Um, I was wondering when someone's going to quote that.
1: So, so the Oscars little brother review is done. Um, let's get into what the people are really here for. Let's talk some bachelor. <laughs> it's kind of true though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, The Bachelor, I don't know, Matt's just, he's so boring. They play the butt.
1: It's playing. He did. Oh, it's oh, the best. I can't even hear it. Um, so,
0: Matt, like, made the right call, I think. Like, he took out the people that were causing drama and took away all the drama, and now it's just, like,
1: a racist. That was boring. <laughs> and now he's,
0: like, actually trying to find, like, the love of his life, and it's like, dude, just stop, bro. I don't know.
1: <laughs> like last year with victoria Bro, like they had drum up until like the last episode you know because obviously like victoria was just so difficult for no reason and then like peter had sex with all the other girls except for um uh maddie and like maddie was like yeah don't do that and he's like oh i won't and then he did it and so um, <laughs> that created drama yeah. and then he ended up not marrying any of them
0: she gave him an ultimatum and then he was shocked when she was mad at him
1: yeah. Yeah, Peter's an idiot. Uh compared to this season where actually I think there was a little bit of drama this uh, this week. And I think it's a lot of drama we've seen this season where these girls don't realize they're on the bachelor, you know? Like, yeah, he's gonna be making out with other women. Yeah, he's gonna be sleeping with other women. <laughs> you signed up for this. Like Yeah. <laughs> I was can- think
2: I was thinking about that too. Like, like where yeah, it's just can- like the well, you wanna go deep, but when you go deep you're confronted with tougher situations and the reality of yeah, this guy's being with other women
1: and you can't get mad at him. Cause he's not cheating on you. Like this, this show, you know, like you both knew what you were getting each other in for. Like, is it a bit unfair know. to the women? Yeah, absolutely. But like, it's the bad, like you wouldn't sign up without knowing what the show is. So <laughs> I don't feel bad for them. At, really. Um, I think. Time back to last year, Maddie Pruitt, that was a different case. Kind of. Um, well, like like if Rachel told him not to sleep with any other women, I think Matt James would have done it compared to last year where Peter was going to do it no matter what Maddie said, you know, um, but that's just because Matt James is f- obsessed with Rachel for some reason. I don't get it. Okay. I don't get I don't get anything about her. Um,
2: we'll take us. We'll take a step. We'll take a step back and get to Rachel. But first, let's start off with any if there are any reactions to the women tell all episode.
1: It, uh, so boring katie's the, <laughs> katie's the bachelorette congrats jake
0: thank you thank you okay
1: jake's gonna go on the bachelor Katie's like katie's 29. <laughs> my name's jake i'm uh jake's gonna be the kit for the Bachelorette. Be, uh, the kit <laughs> yeah yeah he gets <laughs> the end he's like he gets the end he's like yeah i don't want to be here anymore i just
2: wanted to promote my uh podcast i'm not
1: supposed <laughs> to be here after he gets after he gets fifty thousand Instagram followers and verified on every platform, he leaves. Just he's like, "Yeah, I built my following. I don't want to get married. Fuck this." Podcast no. to the moon. And meanwhile, the entire season, people's like, "Why is this twenty-one-year-old trying to marry a thirty-one-year-old woman?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he's clearly not winning.
1: He's not going yeah. far like Kit did. <laughs> she clearly, just doesn't want to be there. But she keeps around for nobody knows why.
0: Look, look right into the camera and say. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I'm here, but subscribe to the Turbo Team podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. Every Friday, Jake, every Friday at noon. Jake. just Jake, cut you off. It's like Jake, uh, fucking Jared and Christopher almost got in a fist fight. What do you think? And you're just like, I don't care. Sub to my podcast, please. Ch- Chad started. Uh, div- please sub to a room divided. Jake, you're on. <laughs>
2: you make it to the final. You make it to the final three with that attitude.
0: <laughs> Jake, you're on a one-on-one with <laughs> Katie right now. Like, do you know It's been so hard having divided the- with Jake, Brendan, Aaron Price every week, Wednesdays from two to three on 88.9 <laughs> KSTM The Storm.
1: You look oh, right at the camera Katie. in the middle of the day and just like, sub to the Rewatch podcast. <laughs> no, it's like the
2: it's like the like, third to last episode. It's down to final three people. And Katie's like, yeah, it's been so hard being away from my family for so long. And Jake's like, yeah, it's been so hard dealing with this crappy connection. My <laughs> podcast is really lagging. I didn't want to bring
1: my roadcaster in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the talking head of Katie. And she's like, I really like Jake. And I don't see a... He has so many good qualities, but he doesn't shut up about how he podcasts. <laughs> All he does is reference podcasts, he has so many of them. And then <laughs> it cuts to
2: Jake, and he's like, Yeah, we're reviewing Nomad Land this week. <laughs> kind of excited, I really enjoyed it when I watched. Yeah, Jake,
1: what do you feel like? Just the goes into your row, review
2: in you
0: your interview,
1: the final rose ceremony. Um, I'll be honest, I'm just looking forward to reviewing Mal Rainey's Black Bottom this week. So
0: I just got done doing a rose ceremony for my seven podcasts. They were all, yeah, we yeah, were the in fan- top
1: five favorite animated movies tonight. So this takes more importance over the rose ceremony.
0: Yeah, the fantasy
2: suite was very special, Katie. I really enjoyed when we watched Goodfellas <laughs> and then Inception
1: immediately afterwards. Instead, he just makes her listen to his podcast. Like they're supposed, supposed to be their first night together, and he just like they just cuts to them like filming that like the cameras all the way up to the door, and just you can faintly hear them sitting on the bed listening to the Turbo Team podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So this this bit uh, so you, this bit went on for a little
0: long. I don't think it did. I think it could keep going. So when you get out of the limo and Katie's just standing there, like, oh yeah, that guy's good looking, and I'm just like, all right, my top five favorite movies: number one, La La Land; number two, The Empire Strikes Back; number three, Inglorious <laughs> Bastards; number four, Gone Girl; and number five. Uh, trial of the Chicago Seven. I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers, and then just <laughs> and then you da- and then you dapper up and
1: <laughs> get, <laughs> get out of the limo. Pop open the trunk, pull out a table, the roadcaster, two mics and headphones and chairs, and you sit down. And you're like, "Hi, my name's Jake. I'm a podcaster." An extension cord here. I, I, I outlet. <laughs> <it. laughs> Why don't you tell us your five favorite movies?
2: And you're just like I found an outlet. It's like a sprinkler outlet in the yard, and you're just sitting
0: cross-legged in the
1: grass, you're just in the middle of the road ceremony. And you're like, I can't get a good connection here.
0: Yeah, I really like Jake. I think he's really cute, but he never stops quoting
1: Goodfellas. <laughs> this reminds me like, of like date, and you're like, this reminds me of that one scene in Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, you're eating like listening to live music and you're like man i remember when henry hill did this in Goodfellas." <laughs> <laughs> like jake i never seen the movie and you're just it's like, like oh you yeah, have it <laughs> <every
0: day." laughs>
2: and then and then, then they watch it <laughs> instead of in, instead of like stealing her for like oh, i like minutes. talk about your own problems you steal her to watch the entirety of Goodfellas
0: so, so we, all got, we all got five minute one-on-one dates but Jake and Katie have been watching Goodfellas <laughs> for the last three hours
2: they haven't talked to each other so technically they haven't used the five minutes <laughs> <laughs> It's all been in silence
1: because it's finally fantasy sweet week. And Katie's like, yeah, I'm really excited to like get to know Jake at more personal level. With no cameras. And it cuts to Jake. He's like, I can finally see casino. It. It's almost just like <laughs> good film. I can finally show. Her, I'm thinking of ending things, man. I can't stop thinking of this movie, man. She's finally not going to gonna her, watch it and though. She's like, she's like getting close to Jake and all touchy. And Jake's like, damn it. They took it off HBO max. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think this bit went on too long. I could do this all night. <laughs>
2: this is gonna be the whole episode, dude. We're we're milking this bit like Chris Harrison milked um, the bloopers. The bloopers, the bloopers, dude. Oh, he I, wouldn't shut up about like it, it was like off. before every commercial break. He was like, you know, you know it, Bachelor Nation. We got it. It's it's
1: bloopers. I'm like, you're sending. I'm out sorry, like, this isn't is in
2: YouTube in 2009 anymore. Chris Harrison
1: you're sending out for 20 minutes, and then we just got to see Matt James fall off a bike twice, and then that was it. And a goat poop. Yeah. All right. Um, any other thoughts about this? Let's get into the contestants. Final three, final two. Um,
0: hey, okay, let's let's rate the let's rate the girls remaining. Uh, Brie got sent home, so it's uh, whatever her name is. <laughs> it's a
2: rating Rachel of and two. Michelle.
0: Michelle and Rachel. Yeah, I'd I'd rate Mache, Machel, Uh Michelle like a uh, seven and a half. I she's never been one of my favorites, but Whoa. I think she's uh, pretty cool. She's pretty chill. I think that uh, she's mature enough to get married. I think she's like a uh, like
1: twenty
0: eight. She's a teacher, and I think it's really awkward to think about her kids watching her in the fantasy suite. But that's uh, right. yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, the so kids were watching this Watching her and Matt James rub each other. Centrally down with butter, I think, would be very um, weird imagery. Have a milk bath. Her (laughs) seven-year-old students. You know,
2: I I love how I love how they're like it's a Pennsylvania thing. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Like that was the reason for Rachel, (laughs) where they're just using dairy products and wasting food.
0: I'll give Rachel like a two and a half out of ten.
1: Imagine being imagine why. Yeah, because she's racist. Excluding racism, I don't Um, don't before either. I
0: found her boring the whole time. I think that she's super petty, but isn't like outwardly petty. I don't know. She's just annoyed me from the start, and the racism doesn't really help. So I, I mean, she's she's a two and a half out of ten, and Michelle's a seven and a half. Not anything against michelle she just wasn't my favorite and i'm not gonna be like overly thrilled if she wins but i'm gonna be like wow if she wins or if she wins i'm gonna be like wow i'm so glad rachel didn't win that's where i stand with the candidates and brie i felt so bad for brie i just wish i just wish matt would have just sent her home before the fantasy suite because i can't imagine how awful it'd be having the fantasy suite and then getting sent home the next day knowing you didn't really have a chance
2: I felt bad because she definitely would have been the one to be sent home if Serena didn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Rip. Um, But, okay.
1: Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, um, the mo- weirdest and most disrespectful moment of this entire show was when <laughs> Michelle got home back from her fantasy suite day and she's like telling Bree and Rachel about it. And she's like, yeah, it was great. And Rachel's just crying on the opposite end of the couch. Ooh,
2: Rachel asked.
1: Yeah, I know. And then she's just crying because she's like, "They had sex." It's like, dude, they're adults. They haven't felt the touch of a person like that in like four months. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's gonna happen. Like you've seen. It's like going back again. Like, do you know what this show is? Like, yeah, that's what fantasy suites are, man. Like, if you didn't want them to have sex with other girls, tell them. And I'm Matt James is a respectable enough guy. I'm sure he would have respected her wishes, especially because I he's in love with Rachel and none of the other women, but did you guys see that tweet where it's like when anyone besides Rachel tells Matt, they love him. And it's just the Google automatic like email response where it's like, thank you. um, Thank you for <laughs> sharing something like that. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: Yeah. I noticed that in this episode too, where uh, uh, anytime any of the women said, I love you, Matt just he didn't just say anything. He just like blank face went in for, yeah, a that's, I've been um, watching the whole
0: season with yeah. Max. And we, every time, every time someone's like, Matt, I think I'm falling in love with you. And it's just, thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. And now let's make out. That's literally every time.
2: Okay. How funny was it that they invited his dad just for him to get (laughs) roasted? (laughs) Oh, dude, his
1: dad is such a shitty person, man. The whole thing was so awkward.
2: Dude, think how much they had to pay him because they they had never had this conversation before, and they don't talk to each other at all. Yeah. So think how much they had to pay him to come on for national television.
1: I bet they cut some also, sort of death. his dad was so sweaty, like his forehead was drenched. Okay, <laughs> I don't know, man. He just very, very was glistening a lot. It's that um,
2: Pennsylvania heat.
1: But uh, how much of that do you think they cut out? Because it felt like all of a sudden they went from like. How could, like, very, like, hard, like, angry at each other to, like, I forgive you, man. Uh, we you was know? just
0: misunderstood.
1: Like, like, scripted. Yeah, you were just misunderstood. No. <laughs> I he, remember you was conflicted. Uh, he abandoned your family, Matt, and started other families. And... Although, I will say, the most endearing and realistic scene of this whole season so far has been... Um, the cutaway to Matt where he's like, "Yeah, he'd come and he'd bring us shoes, buy us pizza," and then he just breaks down crying. He's like, "I didn't want shoes or pizza. I wanted the dad." You know, I thought that was I thought that was very real and emotional. And that's where I just get annoyed
0: with Matt. I don't actually hate him. Like, I think he's a very yeah. swell stand-up guy, but he's just boring, he's boring for a bachelor.
1: Yeah, I think Matt's a great. Yeah, I think Matt's a great guy. He just is. Not interesting enough to make good TV, you
2: know. Okay. Uh, this is a fun game. Uh, Rachel was making a big deal about how she wanted to be picked first for the fantasy suite. Um, guess why and when would you want to be picked for the fantasy suite, Jake?
0: None. Saving it for marriage. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hell yeah, brother. God That's always. why I asked you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an awkward question on purpose. But that was kind of funny that she wanted to be first. Like, I
1: think it's so she could, like, kind of tell him them, it's like, hey, I don't really want you to, like, be with these other girls, but... Well, or just so she could say her hesitations or whatever. Well, like, think about, like, Michelle. Like, Michelle went first, and then she didn't really seem like she... Was upset when it was Bree and Rachel's turn. You know, she seemed she
2: seemed she, a little upset when it was Bree's turn. Like there was did, one shot, but well, I mean, she was definitely understood one. more. Bree
1: was the best looking one there. I felt I feel like uh, they were all kind of intimidated by her, um, as, as most people would. You know, you're you're competing for some guy's love. If there's a girl that's more attractive than you, like yeah, you're gonna worry that he's gonna pick her over you, no matter how good your personality is. You know,
2: okay. Um, uh, I, I literally cheered when I saw that Chris Harrison had signed the fantasy suite invitation.
1: <laughs> you, you cheered?
2: Because, dude, how funny is that? They just had like a whole day and like an entire date together. And then it's like the, ooh, do you want to take this next step and do the thing that I write about in all of my books that I've been plugging this entire show? Chris Harrison. <laughs>
1: The image Obviously. of you in your I thought that was so funny. Bedroom, the image of you in your bedroom watching this alone, sitting on your futon, being like, "Yes!" Right as you saw that he signed it, is a lot more funny than watching than imagining Chris sign it. Well, then I'm glad you got at least
2: some laughs from it. Yeah. Because Fucking I, have to- so I
1: think we should wrap this
0: week's episode of the Turbo Team podcast up. We got one more week of Bachelor talk.
1: Should we? Uh, should we just do a whole Bachelor episode nah. next week?
2: it's a season finale it's, it's not going to be enough
1: but we can do our top we can just do a bunch of bachelor related things like top five funniest bachelors go back to the ben shapiro thing can probably come well, probably another segment
2: will we do alex's idea or will we watch a different movie i don't know you'll have to tune in and find out next week on the turbo team podcast
1: watch movies. as always we want to thank
0: you guys for supporting and listening uh it's been a long winter you could say but uh things are on the up and coming and we're going to be Consistently back weekly with the Turbo Team podcast. But until then, uh,
1: this time next week, you'll be listening to me fully vaccinated.